This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Go helps educators teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Benazir Ali. She is the clinical growth strategist at Flare Health. She's an MD interested in life science, digital health tools, and diagnostics that make delivery of healthcare to patients more efficient and effective. She has a diverse background with strong foundations in both the liberal arts and basic clinical sciences. Her work experience includes clinical and bench research healthcare consulting, teaching, and healthcare securities litigation. A very fascinating background. And today we're going to be honing into exactly how we could improve healthcare delivery with digital. And so uh, it's exciting to have you on the podcast here today, Dr. Ali. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello, how are you? Hey, doing well. So you're a literature major, huh? I was lit major, exactly. So you can see how I went from that into medicine makes total sense. (laughs) How did that work out? Like, tell me how that transition happened. So I was a lit major with a double in gender studies, and I had always really liked the sciences, but I didn't really want to, I didn't really think I wanted to study them or, so I always did stuff in undergrad from a sociological perspective. I worked with a lot of women's health groups, a lot of stuff about, you know, sociologically, like what groups of people have better healthcare, what, who, do, who doesn't. And um, as far I graduated, I started volunteering with a sexual assault violence intervention program. So I was wow. in the hospital a lot. And kind of just snowballed from there. I ended up in securities litigation position, uh, position, but one of the cases we we worked on was a huge pharma case. And so I had to do a lot of scientific document review and it just all kind of fit together. And I went back to school, did a post-bac and then did a whole bunch of healthcare work and then went to med school. Oh my gosh, man, that's awesome. That's such an interesting background, atypical uh, and also very, very fascinating. So what is it that inspires your work in healthcare? So I think what I really always say to people is that every industry has really wedded technology, right? Like if you look at the auto industry, the food and beverage industry, hospitality, every industry you can think of has really married technology. Healthcare kind of like went on a date with technology in like 1985. They like didn't get along. Then they went on a date again. Healthcare goes to technology. It just like, it's been this really this relationship that just hasn't been solidified. And it's very frustrating, especially once you, when you're a medical student, one of the things that you end up doing a lot of your third year of med school is waiting for faxes on the floors for records to be come to you from other hospitals. And it's just such an archaic way of doing things. I once yeah. saw a lecture given by a physician who's also an administrator. And he said, you can go anywhere in the country, put in a plastic card into a machine, put in four four numbers and get out a certain amount of cash. But if you are in a hospital in zone A and zone B is two miles away, if zone B, that hospital doesn't have the same electronic medical record, you're waiting on a fax. And it's just, it blows my mind. There are definitely times in the hospital where I was like, it would be easier for me to walk the two miles and physically pick up those records. So things like that really got me interested in the, the tech side of healthcare. Yeah, no, you know what, and, and and you're right. The opportunity to leverage technologies and 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 actually go beyond that date <laughs> is there. So tell us a little bit about how you and Flare 
health, our our improving healthcare for the ecosystem. Thank you. So people generally think that if you're a physician, you must know all the other physicians. And the truth is, is that more than 80% of doctors have fewer than 20 doctors in their network. So there's this issue where when physicians are faced with, okay, who should I go see for XYZ? They often don't know. And also as healthcare grows and as there are more and more subspecialties, even within like a subspecialty, there are sub-subspecialties. And so certain physicians like doing one thing or are better at one thing, and there's no real way of flagging that. And so what our um, what we do is we create referral apps for large hospital systems. And through these referral apps, doctors can make uh, referrals to specialty care physicians within a hospital system, and they can kind of search based on things like insurance, location, subspecialty, training, and they can really hone in and find the right physician. And it really focuses on that patient-centered approach. And we're really talking about fixing that doctor-patient fit and getting it to a point where it's optimal. Yeah, that, and it matters, right? I mean, when, when you're talking about getting the right doctor, it could mean overall better outcomes. It could mean faster recovery. And that, that's what's interesting is that what better means really depends on the patient. Now, I train in a place, Camden, New Jersey, significantly underserved place, lots of opioid use. And so, you know, a lot of my patients didn't speak English. A lot of them were hourly workers. For those patients, the right doctor is the one that's going to have availability and they're be able to reach by some kind of public transport because a lot of them didn't have cars, yeah. right? So for those patients, the right doctor is very different than somebody who maybe lives in a suburb and has the ability to take off work for a, an entire day and not lose wages. So that really is something we have to think about because we're not going to be able to change the entire system all at once, right? So right now, what yep. we have to do is really make sure that the patients get the kind of care they need as best as they can. No, that's interesting. So let's just say a given healthcare system. So you're saying that today they really don't have the setup for physicians to be able to tell a patient, hey, you got to go to this doctor. It's the best fit. There really isn't anything. A lot of it is word of mouth. It's, you know, I went to medical school with this person who went to residency with this person and they know this person who does this. A lot of it is like that. A lot of it is, you know, people you know through work and it's not necessarily, you know, you might have a person that is a cardiologist, but they might not be, you know, a spe- somebody who special specializes in resistant hypertension, right? Or they might not be somebody who specializes in AFib. There might be somebody who's better equipped to handle those things. Man, um, that's really surprising. Yeah. And I mean, similarly, it's it's the same way with, I remember there is a, there are a couple hospitalists that when I was training at Cooper Hospital, and one of them was particularly interested in the liver. And so yeah. even though he was a prime, he was a hospitalist and had done an internal medicine residency, had not done a GI residency, all of the really complex liver cases, hepatic cases would kind of be funneled to him before they would go to other hospitalists. So you can really build your practice around what you're interested in, what you're good at, what you're well informed about. And there's no real way for people to know that right now, aside from word of mouth. Wow. Well, that's uh, definitely surprising and a great opportunity. And, and, you know, I even think about, I think about like physician burnout too, right? When you're wanting to get physicians to work on what they love and thrive at work, if you have a, a tool like this, right? If you're a physician listening or you're a hospital executive listening, like what if you had a tool that will help your physicians shine and they could plug in that what they're best at and now they have ways to be engaged in, with what moves them? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, is that, is that kind of what you guys are, are head, heading after? 
Absolutely. People are less likely to burn out if they don't hate what they're doing. (laughs) And that's just the truth, right? And I think that there used to be a notion that if you're a doctor, you have to do it. As medicine gets more and more specialized, we're realizing that that's not the case. You know, you can really focus on certain things. And then you have people that are wonderful primary care physicians that are very holistic, that want to focus on the entire patient as a whole. And that in and of itself, like holistic medicine in and of itself is like a, another area of now. So I completely agree with that though. Interesting. So we're talking about outcomes here. We're talking about physician wellness. We're talking about being more efficient with technology. And, and so how has what you guys do improved outcomes and made business better? Absolutely. So right now, if you need to, the typical way of referral kind of gets processed is that you'll go to your primary care physician. That physician will tell you to either look through your insurance or they'll give you a name of a few specialists they think are a good fit for, let's say you have abdominal pain that it just isn't going away and they need you to go to a GI. They will um, look through a few of their, you know, their, their networks and they'll give you a list of people. You then take that list, you call that, that office, you make the appointment if you can get in touch with them. The referral has to be faxed over, the office has to get the fax. It's a very, very long, slow process. And there are a lot, of, a lot of points along the way where people just get tired and they say, okay, I'm not going to see the specialist. I'm just- Forget about it. Forget about it. I'm just going to deal with it. Problem with that is that sometimes- you actually do need to see a specialist. And then, you know, three, four, five, six months later, you're way, way sicker. An example of this, I think that's really, that's really, it's close to home with me is that my father had a hemorrhagic stroke at the age of 53. And he's a non-smoker, non-drinker, but just had hypertension that was uncontrolled for a long time. And of course, there are no real symptoms for hypertension for most people, right? So they call it yeah. silent killer. So someone like, someone like that who you know, you should probably go to a specialist to get their hypertension controlled because it's, you know, resistant to medication or whatever, who doesn't is then, you know, can get into a situation where they have, they have a, a massive stroke, they have disability, they're, you know, losing time at work, they're, it's just, it can turn into so much more than it has to be. So that really getting that patient to the right physician in a lot of cases is really important before things escalate. Wow. Such a great example. And so personal. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And what our app does is we have um, what our app, it's like basically an app on the phone or you can use it on an iPad. Eventually, we're also going to have it on the desktop. But for now, it's on phones. And what you can do is you can select the specialist. You put in the patient's first name, their last name, their date of birth, a quick reason for referral, and you just click send. And what automatically happens is the referral gets electronically sent to that specialist's office. That specialist's office gets pinged. They then call the patient themselves. They reach out to the patient, which I think is a key difference the way things are done right now, right? Mm -hmm. They reach out to the patient, they make the appointment, they put the information in the system, and then the referring physician can see these updates on their phone. So your your referring physician, your specialists are both in the loop and they know what's going on, which I think is often also a problem because there's not a lot of transparency. And often PCPs and specialty care docs aren't collaborating as much as they can. Right. So it sounds great. And uh, today, it seems like we're definitely very focused in the clinic on, uh, you know, doing everything through the EMR. Tell me a little bit about how it integrates into EMR, maybe not yet, and the vision around that. So yeah, so currently, uh, we integrate with the EMR at one of our sites. The eventual goal is to, I mean, all of, obviously all of our sites want it. So we're, um, we're working on that. And the eventual goal is going to be to, you put the referral order in on the phone and it automatically populates in Epic or Cerner or whatever EMR you use. And then also uh, another idea we have is that it would kind of, I don't know if you've ever seen up to date. I have not. 
up-to-date is kind of this, it's where physicians would go to get all the most up-to-date um, research information on, you know, best practices. And oh, okay. when you're in Epic, which is an EMR, you can kind of toggle back and forth between Epic and up-to-date. So the goal eventually would be to have like a flare window within it, all these EMRs so you can just yeah. toggle back and forth. And so, yeah, and we're, we don't want to, I think innovation is great, but sometimes I say like, sometimes renovation isn't bad either, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to rebuild everything. Like I think no, no. is great, right? So let's work on how we can integrate with them rather than building something completely different that doesn't talk to the EMR. Yep. So we're very big on integrating with the EMRs. Got it. Yeah, that's critical, I think, to really gain adoption. And I had no idea that the referral system was so broken. So I appreciate you highlighting this. And I'm sure the listeners are like, wow, really? Or some of them are like, yeah, no kidding. Like, (laughs) thanks for the opportunity here to make it better. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. Does technology and healthcare education sometimes feel like the tail wagging the dog? You should check out EHR Go. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology and healthcare education. With over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in realistic, simulated electronic health records, Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document with an EHR. When working in Go, students have to evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs in a levels of urgency while making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Used in all educational healthcare disciplines, Go could be used within or between programs and is the ideal platform for interprofessional education. Web-based with no software to download or maintain, Go could be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. What would you say it has been one of the biggest setbacks that you've experienced and key learning from that setback? Particularly in this role or just... Yeah, in- with Flare Health and, Flare and Health. sort of how you guys have rolled things out and what you've learned. So we, I think one of the biggest setbacks, like I mentioned before, is healthcare and its resistance to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, I mean, I just, I see that every day, right? I see that when I went to the health conference in Vegas, it was, mm-hmm. it was so invigorating and so refreshing because I was surrounded by all these innovators and people in healthcare that want to change. But then, you know, you come back and you work with a lot of local physicians who just are set in their ways and they don't yeah. want to change the way the system is run, but they also complain about the way the system is run. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the biggest is the biggest setback. But I think that's changing. I think with every generation of physicians that we create, they're becoming more and more tech savvy. There's more of, I think, a focus in medical education to really embrace change. Not as much as there should be, but it's there and it's, it's happening, but it's a slow process. No, it's, a, it's definitely a big pain point for a lot of innovators in healthcare. So we talk about a lot of things on the, on the podcast, definitely outcomes improvement, but also business success. So tell us a little bit more about the business opportunity here. I mean, is there with missed appointments, there's lost revenue, right? And so maybe you could highlight a little bit of the benefits of, for the business of health. Absolutely. Um, referrals are a huge, huge, huge part of a hospital system's revenue. And when appointments are missed, you lose that revenue, obviously. But again, if that, that appointment is missed and that patient ends up getting sicker, then you're now costing the system a whole bunch of money as well. 
And the second thing to keep in mind, I think a lot of the focus in the referral space in the past has been, let's keep referrals within our system. Let's keep as, hold on to as many referrals as we can within our system. And I think what our eventual idea is that let's get patients to the best to the best person that does that, that treats that ailment, right? So if every different institution has people that focus on the things they're best at, there won't be an issue of, you know, losing referrals because if you might lose referrals for, you know, one kind of issue, you're going to gain them for something else because you have an expertise in something else. And I think that really pushes every healthcare system to hone in on its, on its physicians and really draw from them what they're best at. Love it. And you know, we're all experts in a specific area. If you really lean on others to become more efficient and and to improve your referral the way that you're doing referrals meaningfully, I think uh, you know, Flare Health has some options you might wanna wanna think about and consider. So uh what would you say you're most excited about today? I'm really excited. We're working on a really big project right now that I'm very excited about. And that project basically is, um, and it's something that I've envisioned, it's the idea that we would get all the safety net hospitals. Safety net hospitals are hospitals that um, cater to the underserved at a higher percentage than other hospitals. A larger percentage of their patients uh, don't have insurance or are un- you know either uninsured or have state insurance. And the idea would be that we would get all of these safety net hospitals on one giant electronic platform. And we would then have all the federally qualified healthcare centers, different primary care organizations that treat the underserved, be on the other side and be able to refer into this huge platform. And so it would be a way to get these underserved patients the specialty care they need. And it would allow their physicians to be able to choose not from like five, six, seven doctors, but thousands and thousands of doctors across a large geographic area. And what we're looking to do is, you know, you'd be able to search by things like insurance, by things like first available, the subspecialist training, are you close to like public transport? All the things that you would need to really find the right specialist for your patient, especially those patients who don't necessarily have the means to get the best healthcare, unfortunately, in our country. Yeah, you know, it's a, a nice project and thinking about access, right? And, and uh, making it easier when you talk about having all the safety net hospitals and, and just kind of a, a, the vision, maybe incorporating the government Medicaid, giving you guys some funding to figure that out. I think it would be really meaningful to the less fortunate in means to improve access, right? Absolutely. And I think that if you take, if you increase the communication between a primary care physician and the specialty care physician, that's only going to benefit the patient. It only benefits the patient to have all the doctors that are taking care of them to be able to talk to each other candidly and openly. And so that's another piece of the puzzle with our with our platform is that we really want to increase that transparency between the referring physician and the physician that's being referred to. Yeah. Very interesting. So fantastic, Dr. Ali. Appreciate the insights here. The referral system is broken. We need to find ways, innovative ways to fix it. Flare Health's provide some, provided some really interesting ways to meaningfully improve that physician uh, relationship network. So check them out. They're at flarehealth.com. So what are you reading nowadays, um, Benazir? What would you recommend as far as books to the listeners? Books to listeners. Um, what am I reading right now? I 
just finished reading, I'm reading a book by a ton of French. I can't even remember, I remember the name. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. I was a lit major, so there are a lot of books I recommend. And I do plan on finishing um, the book Shantaram at some point. It's about 1,100 pages. So I've been about page 800 for the last year and a half. Wow. In terms of favorite books or books I really like, I would have to say one of the first books that made me cry and really, that I really loved as like in high school and I read was Beloved by Toni Morrison. I think it's it's a really, it has obviously supernatural aspects to it and then, but it also is based in reality and beautifully written. And I think it says a lot about, it speaks a lot about, I'm very passionate about women and women not, women not feeling marginalized, which I think we often do. And in the book, there's a part of the book where Toni Morrison is, um, she always assumes the best part of her is her children. And one of another character says, well, no, you're the best part of you. And um, I remember it being, I was like, oh, shouldn't just everybody know that? But she, you know, the way it was written, it's a really beautiful written book. So that's probably one of my favorite books. Love it. What a great recommendation. And such as a human aspect of what we should be thinking about and considering identity. What's your identity in this in this healthcare ecosystem and, and in general? So love the recommendation. Again, folks, uh, go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in Flare Health or type in Benazir. And you'll find the entire uh, show notes, uh, transcript, and the short notes to our discussion today. I'd love if you could just leave the listeners, Benazir, with a closing thought. And then the best place where the listeners could uh, continue the conversation with you. Absolutely. So I was thinking, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day about just about, you know, career and life. And he said to me, don't ever forget to celebrate your failures just as mm. much as successes. Because I get, you know, he's very much, he's much more Zen than I am. He really believes that everything happens for a reason. This is a man that had a hemorrhagic stroke and still will be like, oh, well, it happened. No, I'm glad he's doing well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he'll still be like, it happened for a reason. So I sometimes struggle with that, but he's much better at that. And so I think it's very important to count your blessings and your successes, but to also be thankful for the things that didn't work out because mm. those things not having worked out are what kind of bring you to where you are and you know, open new doors for you. And I think it's very important to keep that in mind, to not always kind of sit there and think, oh, it would have been better if I had done that. Well, then you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. And chances are that this can be awesome too. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And uh, yesterday I, I was uh, running and I, and I was playing this kind of like inspirational YouTube thing while I'm running on my treadmill. And it was The Rock. He, <laughs> he talked about how not making it to the NFL created this incredible opportunity. Exactly. What a great message from your dad. And uh, you relaying it to us. So appreciate you uh, sharing that. And again, folks, the opportunity here that Dr. Ali has really you know, presented to us is, is let's take a look at our referral systems and are we doing a good enough job? Are we improving outcomes the way that we could be improving them by making the right referrals to the right physicians? And are we missing out on revenue? Because if we are, it's, it's, it's a problem and we need to fix it. And Dr. Ali, where's the best place that people could get in touch with you? Sure, you can reach me at my email address. It's probably the best place. Uh, it's benazir.ali at gmail.com. B as in boy, E-N-A-Z as in zebra, I-R dot A-L-I at gmail.com. So... Dr. Ali, just want to give you a big thanks and uh, really looking forward to staying in touch. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. 